KMTT Kimitzion Tetzay Torah. This is Ezra Beck, and today we complete the series on Yud Gimel Midot Arachamim, the 13 attributes of mercy. Today's Shi'ul, right before Yom Kippur, the 13th Midah, Midat Vinake. Midat Vinake is a very unusual Midah. The reason is that it doesn't actually appear to exist. If you look in the Torah, open up the Torah to Parshat Kitisa, where the 13 Midot are described. It says, Vayeret Hashem, God came down. Vayavor Hashem al panav vayikra. God passed over in front of the face of Moshe and called out, Havaya, Havaya, Kel, Rachum, Vechanun, Erech Apayim, Verav Chesed, Ve'emet, Natsach Chesed, Lalafim, etc., etc. There is no Midah Vinake. There is another phrase that appears immediately after, Nusei Avon, Vafesha, Vachata'a. In the place, right after the 12th Midah, in the place where the 13th should come. And that Midah is Vinake, Lo Yinake. Now you'll say, okay, so we stopped a little bit early. That's not really true. There is a form in, in Hebrew syntax of double verbs, such as Yaro Yire, Sakol Yisakel, Anek Ta'anikimo. The Torah takes a verb and doubles it, and its meaning is um, emphasis. Usually, I think in the English translation it usually says, you shall surely help him out. It means a, a, a verb that's been emphasized. The negation of an emphasized verb appears in the form of lo or lo according to Hebrew grammar, means and he will surely not cleanse. He will surely not be v'nakeh. V'nakeh, lo yinakeh is not two phases, it's one phase. And it means lo nakeh yinakeh. And in fact, it, it's the opposite and not the contrapositive. It means, I'm sorry, not the obvious. It means not that it's not true that he will surely not be Menakeh. It means he will surely not be Menakeh. And if this is true, then the Pshat in the Pasuk is the exact opposite of a Midat Chesed Barachamim. It's not an attribute of mercy. It's the exact opposite. What the Pasuk means is that there are 12 midot, 12 attributes of mercy, but the vav, the and of vinake, is a but. Vinake lo yinake, despite, despite the 12 attributes of mercy, but don't imagine that your sins are wiped out. You will exist. You will continue to exist, despite the fact that you're a sinner and the sin is part of your personality. We said in the previous three midot, 
And in fact, you will continue to exist healthily. The sin in using the the, uh, the parabolic image that I used in the previous year, the sin that's on your clothing won't creep into your into your soul and contaminate it. But the sin remains. V'nake lo yinake. It's not a thirteenth attribute of mercy. It's the boundary of the previous twelve. God is merciful, God is merciful, God is merciful, times twelve, only up to here. But, He keeps you alive, doesn't take away your sin. Your sin remains in place. And this basically is parallel to what we saw in the Yerushalmi when we learned Midat Erech Apayim. Doesn't mean God ignores, overlooks, takes away the sins. But, Marich Af, keeps you alive. Ve'gavi delay, but the, the debt remains in place. So here too it says, No se avon, vafesha vachata, veh, nakelo yenake. Okay, then there are only 12 uh, midot. But what do we do? When we say, when we, we recite the midot harachamim, we cut the pasuk in the middle. Nasei avon vafesh avachata venake. And all of a sudden there's a new, a new midah, which means God will cleanse. As opposed to the Pasuk which says, He surely will not cleanse. We've distorted by cutting it in the middle. We're not shortening the Pasuk. I'm not asking why we don't continue. That end of the Pasuk is a din, which we don't quote. But we haven't just shortened it and we're not quoting Lo By stopping in the middle of a phrase, you're completely changing its meaning. Why is that legitimate? How can you do that? What we've done is we've invented a new attribute of God which contradicts what it says in the Torah. What's our license for doing so? Why do we even imagine that it's true? And a technical side to this question, there's a principle in the Gemara, in the, in the first paragraph of Bechot, in Masechet Ta'anit, called Pasuk de lo paske moshanan lo paskinan. Basically it comes to ensure that what I just described now won't take place you're not allowed to misquote a pasuk. If the pasuk is not, if you're not quoting it in the form that Moshe Rabbeinu stated it, you're not allowed to quote it. This is an extreme example where the way you've quoted it, it's the exact opposite. But the truth is, even if it would be like that, you really shouldn't end the pasuk even before you get to Pokeh Davanavot. A pasuk has to be quoted in its entirety, intact, in the way it was given. That's a technical expression to what is in fact here a, a, a quite obvious, substantial question. Where does Midat V'nakeh come from? Not, not from the Torah. It's not what God told Moshe to say. It's not what God told Moshe and disclosed to him in Pashat Kitisa. The answer to this question, I think, and this will be our key, understanding what Vinakei means, the answer is that you're 100% correct. 
The Pasuk in Kitisa does not describe, does not mention, does not list an attribute called Nakai. And we do not quote that Pasuk when we say Yud Gimamidot. There were two revelations, two different Hitgaluyot, two different revelations of more or less what we call Yud Gimamidot. One took place, the halachic expression for it is, Sinai. It's found in the Torah, which was given in Sinai. It's found in Pashat Kitisa. And it's legal disclosure, not the exact historical moment, but it's legal disclosure was Bahar Sinai. The Torah in Har Sinai was given publicly. God was on the summit of the mountain. The Jews were at the base of the mountain. And from the heights to the assembled people, God appeared and He taught the Jews Bigalot, Bigalot Chamalkeinu al Har Sinai, Lelameid, Laamcha, Torah, Umitzvot. A line we recited in Rosh Hashanah and Filat Musaf. God appeared on the summit of Mount Har Sinai to teach the Jews the ways, the paths, the laws. Including Midot HaRachamim, and in that revelation, there only are 12 Midot HaRachamim. In the Torah it says, Hashem, Hashem, Kel, Rachum, Vachanun, Erech, Apayim, Varav Chesed, Vemet, Otsa Chesed, Lalavim, Nasei, Avon, Vapesha, Vachata'a. End of Midot HaRachamim. Then comes a couple of Midot Din. V'nakei lo yinakei, Pokei davon avot al-banim, V'al-bnei banim, Arubi'im v'al-shileishim. That's all there are. There only are 12 bidot rachamim in the Torah Misinai. But Chazal understood that there's a second revelation, a second source. Yudgimu midot aren't found in the Torah. They weren't disclosed at Sinai. They were revealed not to Amisal, but to Moshe Rabbeinu. B'nikrat in the cleft in the rock. That's on Har Sinai, but not at its summit, but someplace closer to the base, privately, covered. God placed his hand over Moshe Rabbeinu's face so that he shouldn't see. Close up, hidden in a recess, in a cave, in the mountain. God disclosed to Moshe Rabbeinu the Midot HaRachamim and Chazal know that there were 13. And the 13th is Venake. You're not allowed to quote, misquote a Pasuk. When we recite Yudgimu Midot, we aren't quoting a Pasuk. We're not quoting a Pasuk. We are reenacting that which God showed Moshe. Remember the Gemara said, how were the 13 Midot disclosed? Not in speech. Not Vayidaber Hashem HaMoshe Leimor. Ani, Hashem, Hashem, Kerachum Echanun. But, Nitateif HaKadosh Baruch Hu Kishliach Tzibu Vayamar Kol Bantai Shebanai Echotim Yosim Tshuva Yasur Fanai Kaseidah Razav Nimochelem. 
the disclosure wasn't in speech, but in acting, but in but in 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 in, in uh, um, example. We're not quoting a pasuk in the Torah. We're following God's example on that day. A month and a half after Matan Torah, when God appeared to Moshe Rabbeinu, and the very fact that it's not Al Har Sinai means it's not actually part of the Torah. The Gemara Yoma asks, as though there were a contradiction. It says Vinake, but that can't be because it says Loyanake. It says Loyanake, but that can't be because it says Vinake. According to what I just explained, the most question isn't a contradiction between two different psukim or even between two different parts of the same pasuk. Because as I pointed out, there are no two parts to this pasuk. But Akei Loyanake is not two phrases that can contradict each other. It's one phrase. The contradiction that I was talking about is between the two different transcendent revelations. One time God said, which means Loyanake. And on another occasion, God said, What is the Gemara's answer to this question? Because I'm giving the source. We can say giving it up because it was disclosed in the Nikvat Hatzur, probably to Moshe Rabbeinu, a different kind of revelation, but, but, but how does this take place? How could it be? The Gemara's answer is, lashavim, lo Nake, I will cleanse I will eliminate the sin. That's for repentance. For people who are repentant. People who have done shuva. Lo yinakeh, l'she'enam shavim. I've emphasized throughout this series till now that the Midot HaRachamim do not depend on tshuva in the present. In other words, tshuva is not a precondition for the Midot HaRachamim. On the contrary, what I continually said was Midot HaRachamim are what permits the sin to exist, not the tzaddik to exist, not even the Bar-Tshuva to exist. They permit the sinner to exist. It's true that we said many times that behind it is a hope, a belief, an anticipation of future tshuva. But that's future tshuva, not in the present. God will keep the sinner alive because tomorrow he will or he may, we hope he will do tshuva. Midat v'nakeh is different. Midat v'nakeh, the Gemara says, nakeh l'ashavim. If you're not about tshuva, if you haven't done tshuva, then the midah which applies to you is lo yinakeh. Or to say it more strongly, more emphasized, what that applies to you is a hundred percent for sure no chance in the world will you achieve nikayon cleansing and what this means is the following tshuva here isn't a condition for the operation of this midah God has a midah called the Nakeh, but He doesn't give it to those who aren't Bali Tshuva. Tshuva uh-uh. is a condition for the existence of this midah. 
if you haven't done tshuva, then the midot which apply, the midot which exist, the way in which God creates to the world is the pasuk and kitisa. And there it says, When you've done tshuva, the very midot of God change. The midot which apply to the relationship of God to the world, the list has changed. It's 13 and not 12. Let me explain. What's been implicit in everything I've said about the Yudhima Midot till now is that the basis for the existence of the Yudhima Midot is the need for the world to exist. Going back to the very, very first Midot, actually the second Midot, to Havaya Shniya, the second Havaya, what we said was that the world, because of God's plan, because of free will, the world contains sin. And if God's will is, which is for the good, God's will must be good. But if that's to be interpreted simply, meaning God's will is for the good, if only the good can exist, therefore the world will not exist, because the world is not good. Not good enough. And everything we said in all the Midot was to explain how we can expand God's pure, holy, and good will to encompass evil, to encompass sin. The paradox of how the good God desires, desires the wrong word, how His will includes the world of sin. Why was that necessary? Why is that true? Because otherwise the world would not exist. There's a Medrash in the beginning of Lech Lecha where Medrash Rabbah explains what Avram Avinu came to God to say when God said He was going to destroy stone. Hashofet what did Abraham say? He said to God, Im yesh din, en olam. Im yesh olam, en din. If there is only din, justice, there will be no world. And if you want there to be a world, then you have to say there is no din. You can't have both. Abraham Avinu forced God, forces God to choose between having a world or having only din. And the answer is Rachamim. There'll be a world and Rachamim will be added to din so that there should be a world. But, if that is true, indeed you do not need more than the 12 Midot that we've described till now. The 12 Midot explain how the sinner can exist. It's even explained how the world can exist in its, in its, in its pristine state. Without, as I explained in the previous Midah, without the kingship of God disappearing, without the good of God disappearing, and without the soul of man being impugned. So what God made on the first day of Bereshit is preserved in some sense. At least potentially. Despite the existence of sin in the world. So fine. Everything's okay. There's nothing more to ask for. Uh, there are other things which would be nice. Very, very important things. There is a concept of atonement, of kapara and of tahara, and of purity, but they aren't conditions of existence. The logic which we've explained at length in the last five weeks explains how conditions of existence do not negate the existence of sin. It was a question. It was amazing when we first raised the point, but I, I tried, and I hopefully, hopefully succeeded, at least partially, in explaining how sin can exist. That was the whole point, to explain that sin can exist. 
So there's no need for nikayon. There's no need to wash away the sin. There was a need to prevent sin from doing damage. From destroying existence. Or even, in the last midah, from impugning, from contaminating your existence. But once we've done that, once we've inoculated man and the world from the effects of sin, so the world exists. That's it. That's condition of existence. Now it's true, God has promised, has offered to the Jews more than that. But that wasn't part of the creation of the world. That wasn't conditions of Briata Olam. That's God's relationship to the Jews. That's part of Yiddishkeit. That's part of Torah. That's part of, uh, of, of, it's part of Yom Kippur. Say it on Yom Kippur. Which isn't one of the Yudgilim we don't. God says, you come, you do tshuva, you act like this, you do this, you bring a certain sacrifices, you send this, you have mishtalech. There'll be, there'll be tshuva. There'll be tshuva, there'll be, there'll be kapara. Excuse me, there'll be, there'll be atonement. But the Yudgilimi don't, don't have to, and there's no need for them, and there's therefore no reason for them to include kapara or mikayon or, 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 or mechila. And here we have the amazing chiddush, the novelty, the, the insight of Midat Vinakeh. What I said till now was true of humans, of people, of the world, the natural world. But tshuva, the Baal tshuva, he who is doing tshuva comes and says, it's not true what you just said. You just said that it's possible to exist with sin as long as sin doesn't destroy. But I say, I cannot exist with sin even if it doesn't destroy. And why is that? Because what you've offered me, 12 midot, first 12 attributes, you've offered me the ability to exist with sin, which means the ability to exist despite the fact that I am distant, far, alienated from God. There is no way in the world, there's no logical way in which one can also have sin and also have God. In no sense did I imply that the reason why God suffers sin is because God is not good. So a relationship, a proximity, fellowship, dvekut, cleaving unto God, is impossible. The good cannot cleave to the bad, the bad cannot cleave to the good. Evil and good are still contradictory. What God has done is He, in His power of creation, has permitted evil to exist. But it exists alienated, exists distant from God. So, we said, okay, that's good enough, at least temporarily. I, I can exist like that. The Bhattrava says, I can't exist like that. It's not enough that God's will, the Tzon Hashem, encompasses me. I have to be encompassed by Avat Hashem, by God's love. Existence at a distance from God, alienated, separated, is for me, for the Baal no existence at all. This conversation took place explicitly between God and Moshe Rabbeinu before the Nikrat Hatzor. God comes to Moshe and he says to him, after Moshe has prayed and asked for forgiveness, God says, okay. Take the people to Eretz Yisrael. The plan continues. Like, like nothing happened. You left Mitzrayim, 
continue on the way to Eretz Yisrael. Malachi, my angel I will send before you. But I, lo I will not be in your presence. It won't affect the plan though. The Jews can continue to exist, not just exist, but to keep exactly on the same path they were before. They will continue marching there to Israel, they'll get there, they'll conquer, everything will be fine. I won't be in their midst. Lo et malachi. My angel I will send before you. And on the day that it's time to remember what they've done, I will demand my due, God says. What does it remind you of? That's exactly Marichaf, delay, or to put it differently, it's God says, You all exist. But the sin still exists. So beyond Pukti in the day of reckoning. I will do my reckoning, my reckoning. Moshe Rabbeinu says to God, Im ein panecha hochim alta aleinu mizeh. It's an amazing, it's, it's, it's an absurd, it's a surrealistic conversation. God says, God has so much of says, we're not going. Refuse to go. If your face, im ein panecha hochim, if your face does not go with us, what does that mean? What does it mean your face not go with us? If I can't see your countenance, if I don't feel the warmth of your smile, if you're not in our midst, if your face doesn't go with us, I don't want to, we're not going to go. We can't go. There's, there's no point in going. That's not existence. It's not Eretz Yisrael. It's not Jewish destiny. It's not, it's not existence. And then God says, The Panayelecho, my face will go with you, is Venakei. Not Venakei Loyenakei. But Venakei. God will not be in their midst unless the sin is taken out of their midst. That takes place when there's tshuva. Moshe Rabbeinu's statement in the name of Amisam is already the beginning of tshuva. The statement that I uh, quoted, we cannot exist without closeness of God, that's the beginning of tshuva. If you want to exist despite the sin or with the sin, then you're not about tshuva, you're praying to God, but you don't, you're, not, you're not opposed to sin. When you say, I can't live this way. I can't live without you. It's not called existence that you send your messenger. You, you, you provide for me. There's a mashal and chazal. King sends away his wife because she's betrayed him. But he doesn't kill her. He makes a castle in a distant land, fills it full of food, puts two servants there to serve her and, and locks her up there. And she says, we say, that's not existence. That statement is the tshuva. And that tshuva creates the need that didn't exist beforehand. The 13 midot harachamim are existential conditions. But there are only 12 existential conditions for a regular person. For about tshuva, there are 13 existential conditions. For about tshuva says, I cannot exist. And he's right. I cannot exist without the closeness of God. And therefore, the same principle that says that you can't have a world without Rachamim, and therefore the Rachamim will make the world, now says you can't have this world, the world of Tshuva, the world of Abal Tshuva, doesn't exist unless not only is there straight existence, basic existence, there also has to be elimination of sin. Or else it's not existence. 
And since God is committed to the existence of the world, that was our principle to be given Midat. Therefore, Midat Venakei comes into existence. So what does Tshuva here do? Tshuva creates, it creates the Midah. It creates the need, all Midot exist to answer existential need. Tshuva creates the existential need for closeness to God, which means elimination of sin. And therefore, the Midah exists. In the world of no Tshuva, of pre-Tshuva, there is no such Midah. If a person who's not about Tshuva will say, Vinakei, it's not, it's not an attribute of God. The Gemara says, You cannot say one of the Yugam Midot without it working. And I explained why. Because a theory that said that we are the chariot of God's presence. We are the basis for God's presence in the world. So when you call on God's name, that's the God that appears. That doesn't work for Nakei if you haven't done Shuvah. Why not? Because the Midah doesn't exist. You can't just make things up. Those attributes which are true of God, so when we say them, they become true in the world. They become present. They are uh, uh, um, disclosed. They are revealed. But you can't reveal the non-existence. But if you're about tshuva, if you've done tshuva, if you've called out to God, if you've tried to become closer to God, which is what tshuva means, lashuv, you're coming close to God because you cannot live without that closeness, then there is an existential need for closeness, therefore there is an existential answer for that closeness. And the existential answer is Venakei, and therefore you can reveal it by your saying it. This is the reason why this Midah does not exist in the Torah, but only was disclosed to Moshe Rabbeinu after he prayed, after he sat and fasted and begged God in the name of Israel to be with them after he spurned God's offer of existence without closeness. The Torah was given to Amisrael from on top of the mountain. And they were on the bottom of the mountain. They weren't climbing the mountain. They weren't even allowed to climb the mountain. It was, so to speak, Milamala. God came, Vayered Hashem al Sinai, and He gave them the Torah. The Gemara has a more extreme version of that. Kafa alehem halkigigit. He forced them to take the Torah. He held the mountain over their heads. Without going into what that striking phrase might really mean. There were many explanations. But the Torah was submitted. It was, it was imposed to some extent. By its very nature. It's an imposition on people who are far from it. But we'll receive it. We'll receive it willingly. But we'll receive it. In that state there's no Midah called Venakeh. And therefore the Torah, as God's gift to man, God's, God's deliverance to man, God's uh, initiated revelation, self-revelation to man, there's no Midah of Venakeh. Only Venakeh, Lo Tshuva, when we do something, when we turn to God, and, and ask for his closeness, which is, we would try to become closer to him, that creates a possibility of closeness, which creates the necessity of closeness. There's a very simple principle involved here. If you have two inanimate objects, which are distant, if I move one of them towards the other, they become closer, even though I haven't moved the second one. Relative, relative movement of one of them is, is the same as moving the other. But in, in souls, in people, 
in personalities, in, in humans, but in God as well, it's not, that's not true. If I'm far from somebody, if I'm alienated from someone in my family, I can't get close to them unless he gets close to me. One-sided mov- movement does not uh, uh, close the gap. So whatever God might think or want to be close to people, if we don't come close to Him, He's not close to us. Tshuva creates the possibility of closeness, and therefore it creates the necessity of closeness, and therefore it creates midat vinake. Proximity must be mutual. And that's what vinake means. Nikayon. Cleansing. Not existence despite chet or with chet, previous 12 me don't but existence without it. God holds out to us the possibility of eliminating wiping away negating abolishing the very existence of the sins we've done not merely protecting you from the sin but washing it off your clothing not just protecting your body or your soul but washing it out of your environment I think it's important to point out sensitive ear will, will I think hear that it's a very relatively speaking a minor limited term when dealing in the world called atonement kapara Nikayon is the first step you wash it away there's many many deeper levels of kapara what we've described is after tshuva the existential condition it's the bare minimum to exist for about Shuvah, the bare minimum to exist is that the sin be washed. There still is more that he would want and he should want and God, in fact, will give him. But that's not an Yom Midot. That's Yom Kippur. Ki bayom hazeh yichaper aleichem. Yichaper is a much stronger term. He will atone for you. Letaher etchem. To purify you lifnei Hashem. On this day, on Yom Kippur, we have a much grander vision. Yudgil Midot promise bare existence. Twelve bare existence for the regular person and for the Balchuba, bare, minimum existence in Nikayan. There's more than a minimum existence though. And it's part of God's covenant with the Jews. You have the possibility of true kapara, deeper kapara. It's a whole process for that you need not the beginning of Chuva, not just wanting to come close to God. But you have to do have Chavata and Kabbalah every day. There's a lot to do in repentance. And you need a special act of closeness of God to achieve it, which is Yom Kippur, Lifnei Hashem, standing before God. As Rabbi Akiva said, God is the, the mikveh. You immerse yourself in God and you come out pure. But the first step, in order to be able to do that kind of stuff, you have to exist. The first step of existence for the Baal Tshuva is Yudgimah Midot, Mi Hashem Hashem, up and to and including, Benakei, wash away my sins so that I can be close to you. And if I'm close to you, then I can really do Tshuva. Then I can become a true Merkava Shrina, a true Eved Hashem, a true bearer of God's name in the world. Yom HaKippurim, Rabalein, Matovah, in two, three days. Depending on what day you listen. Mirz Hashem, we should all be Zohar. 
by our own hard work. And b'chastei Hashem, v'slicha u'mechila v'kapara, lanu u'lachlal Yisrael. Gmar chatima tova. And as an afterword, I just want to add, these shiurim, these ten shiurim on Yudgim Omidot were originally given in the yeshiva over a number of years. And Chodesh Elul, I've been developing it. Every time I gave it, so I uh, developed it a little more. I didn't always get to the end. Last year, a year ago in Elul, I gave it in the yeshiva and a group of boys organized to try to write it up. Because till then it was all floating in my head. And on the basis of what they wrote up, I've uh, then had to work on it, but I want to thank them, first of all, for doing the work, because otherwise I don't think I would have ever gotten to these sort of formulations. And this now, this Elul and Erev Yom Kippur, uh, we've put it into this form on Keshet, on uh, KMTT. Hiratzon Thank you. Call to Machatimatova.